Welcome to Tanked Up, the podcast about video games and beer. I'm Ben. That was Adol. Oh, he's back. I forgot to put myself on Twitch. <laughs> Just forgot <laughs> while we were waiting. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. Good. Uh, that's Adol. I'm here with Lucy. I'm Lucy. Hey. And I'm back. <laughs> back? Did you go away? Yes. Well, Spiritually. <laughs> You've actually just been completely completely gone for the last ten episodes or so. Just like, oh yes, it's me, hello. Hello. <laughs> hey. Hi. How are you, Lucy? You good? I'm alright, yeah. Good. How are you? How are you, Lucy? I'm alright. I'm alright. Well, I'll mute my phone. Let's open up some beers and start chatting about what's brought us here today. Video games. And hang out with these two lunatics as well. Uh, Adam. Hey. What are you drinking this week? A beer. <gasps> uh, give me a sec. Which Sorry, one? Just doing that thing that I could have easily been doing in all of those minutes of casually being like, I'm ready. I've got nothing to set up. You guys, <laughs> just do your thing. And then it's like, right, I have other things to set up. Uh, uh, I've got another... Loads of stuff to actually do. Yeah. I've got another um, Dutch beer from Ulche Brewery. Mm-hmm. Ulche? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a very hard one yeah, to pronounce. It's the Frack Down Juicy Pale Ale at 5%. It's got a little graphic. Oh! Uh, sorry. Uh, didn't mute the Twitch. Yeah. Just knocking them out here, folks. Uh, it's got a lovely little cartoon, which I won't bother, uh, reading. Uh, but I will read the flavor text. Fueled by mischief and a monomaniacal mission to brew. F asterisk king, good beer. Sorry, mom. We operate on the delirious fringes of hop culture. Not craft, but crafty beer with a sharp, uncompromised tongue from a medieval Dutch brewery town, Harlem. We toy with the extremes, decoding beer with a hacker's lust for provocation, uh, daring beer from a tiny owl that thumbs his nose at the mindless masses. Welcome home, my friend. Welcome home. Uh, and it um, says barley, wheat, malt, ha- oats, and it just says hops. And the yeast... Appears to be D E. That's all I got. Okay. So juicy five point two percent pale ale. And, and Terry Crews anywhere in sight on that one? Sadly, no. Track down, not crack down. Oh, track down. Oh. Sorry, Harry. Lee. That was the same joke that I had in my head, yeah. but I wasn't sure <laughs> if I was going to track music. Yeah. I was going to oh. ask if it was endorsed by yeah. Terry Crews. I've actually, um, I've actually drank that beer. I know you have. And when I read it, I thought it said lockdown, <laughs> and I thought, oh, what a clever beer they've made. No, and then I read it again, like, no, it doesn't say that. Whatsoever. Also, tells you how where you're at in your life, right? Like, yeah. Uh, Lucy, what are you drinking mm. this evening? Tea. <gasps> what kind of tea? Uh, the one that comes from a bag. Fair enough. Nice. <laughs> Week off. 
Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, this week, as in this time on the podcast, yeah, I don't think it'll last. This afternoon? The full week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we get to tomorrow lunchtime, like, hmm. Lunchtime? Mm. Morning? <laughs> Hump day. Loser's gonna wait. Oh, yes. Loser's gonna sign off from the pod and be like, "You know what? Really will help a beer." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm gonna drink a beer. Um, this is from Pipeworks Brewing Company, new brewery for me. They're from Chicago, uh, and this is Ninja versus Unicorns. Ooh, a double not IPA samurai. pale ale, not Samurai Ninja. Ninja. Oh, yeah. This is a very angry unicorn. Oh yeah, and, mm. is it? Yeah, I mean, it is holding happy. what looks like a katana. Well, no, oh, it's the, biting the it. I see. Two, he's yeah, biting it. Yeah, yeah. He knows what's going down. Um, it is eight percent. That is, apart from the kind of standard American medical thing, there's nothing else on here. Mm. Uh, doesn't tell me any ingredients. Doesn't tell me any allergens. Or anything whatsoever. What's on the bottom? Let's have a look. Oh, here we go. Oh. Ingredients, water, hops, yeast, barley. Hmm. That's Sounds it. Sounds about right. Yeah, I mean, little label on the bottom which tells me. It's like, those are ingredients. I'm going to try and open this very carefully and calmly. So I've just tipped it upside down. Uh, Adol, how was your beer? Uh, for, so on the pour, it came out. There was a lovely, fruity um, waft just on the pour. Um... Nose is reasonably strong, but not a lot going on. Just a little bit of a, just mm-hmm. a crisp sort of citrus zestiness. Maybe a slight sweetness, sort of like a lemon and uh, tangerine. Quite so, quite a citrusy backbone to the nose. Hmm. Well, that's super interesting. They weren't kidding about their, like, it's hoppy, but traditional because you can taste that sort of dutch belgian more malty backbone um Mm. to it so it sort of starts with this uh citrusy floral standard sort of juicy pale ale start but then right in the mid of that taste um you're getting this much more malty strong maltiness um come through than on a traditional uh juice bomb pale ale it's also Mm -hmm. It's. I think it's juicy for this style of pale ale, not juicy in general. Like I wouldn't say it's sure. like a juice bomb, um, which is kind of what I was expecting, having it called that. Again, like um, smaller Dutch breweries, um, it's got it's got really good, um, slightly velvety mouthfeel. Even though it's it's five point two percent, it's a little thin on texture, but it clings. That makes sense. So coats, yeah, but doesn't sort of. It's not a thick coating. Um, taste doesn't last that long. Um, it's very one and done. Like this would be perfect earlier in the day when it was reasonably hot. And now, I mean, now that it's sort of evening time and you know sitting and chatting, I, I'd like more to linger. But kind of what lingers is that not the juiciness, but sort of the maltiness of the that sort of. Dutch, um, just standard sort of Dutch pale ale uh, taste, and then with a hint mm-hmm. of that sort of like the this, the slight lemoniness goes away really quickly, and you get the slight sweetness, orangey sweetness, um, maybe a, a little um, tropical fruit in there, but it's sort of 
hard like unless you're really looking it just kind of like yeah it's a little it's a little juicy but it kind of just fades to yeah this is just the this dutch beer ale aftertaste doesn't last long like it lasts long in a very low key thing so i can still taste it after rambling but um not a lot there um so i suspect Mm -hmm. this won't last too too long just because i like the beginning a lot but unfortunately it doesn't stick around and even what sticks around doesn't remind me of it so it's not sort of as cohesive like i'm fine if you want to sort of switch tastes but it's nice when you the the finish reminds you of the journey you've gone through wow that was a real pretentious way of saying (laughs) what i said (laughs) i will sit by it i can't change it i i said that i'm a beer twat what can you do um okay (laughs) (laughs) how about you ben um it's got a lovely nose to it. It's sort of, it's quite deep in colour. A little bit of haze to it. It's got a slight edge of translucent, sort of on the edges of it, a little thicker in the middle. It's got a lovely nose. A lot of orange coming through, but also this kind of like candy sweetness almost. It's not quite bubblegummy. It's kind of more sweet orange, maybe kind of more clementiney. Um, That does come through in the flavour a little bit, but it's definitely paired back. It's not as sweet in the flavour as it is in the nose. There's a little bit more going on. Something maybe just just pulling it down a little bit. Another sort of tropical fruit in there, but maybe something mm. a bit more of a, like a tropical sh- stone fruit. Mm. Something like a mango, perhaps. But something that's just, just dropping that flavour. Mmm. So it comes off as a little drier, a little more pithy as well, and then ends with this sort of slight bitterness. And whether that's kind of the the mango sort of, and it's maybe a little bit more of a ripe mango as well. I think that could be the eight percent just creeping through a little bit too. But it does leave you with this very light bitterness that kind of stems in. The middle of kind of mango and and maybe more clementine, a little bit of sort of maybe more. Yeah, yeah, I'd say it's maybe more orangey, more clementiney than than the mango. But yeah, that pithiness leading into a little bitterness on the end. It's very nice, very easy. Um, definitely get a little bit more of the. Um, Sort of that mango and that sort of slightly more boozy edge to it as well on a bigger gulp. You definitely feel that a lot more when you're taking a, a big sip. Um, mm. Very th- For an 8% as well, it's not as thick as I thought it would be. Um, okay. it's, it's it's quite thin, but it's very easy. Um, mistake this if you sort of remove that sort of that pithiness and a little bit of the booziness to it. It could very well, kind of body-wise, be a, a sort of a light IPA, you know, 55 6%, something like that. Um, so yeah, it's nice. It's easy. I'm gonna keep drinking it. It comes in a pint can. Oh, um, pint. oh lovely! Which obviously, which obviously is an American pint, not a UK. Oh yeah, pint. what is? The, so I always not, forget what an American pint. I think is. they're 500 mil. Right, it's just a half liter. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what's the uh, Americans once again? I know what's wrong with them, right? Yeah. They've got no idea. <laughs> uh, everything's a different measurement over there. Um, so yeah, and it's a lovely can. Ridiculous. Oh. 
No, it's 473 mils. Oh, is it? Well, yeah, okay. Close enough. Another reason I'm glad I don't live in America. Just saying. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, forget the free healthcare over here. It's the pints. It's the pint sizes that make Britain Britain. That's it. That's what keeps you here, Mm -hmm. Lucy. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) The only thing. (laughs) Brilliant. So... Let's move on to our topics this week. Lucy, why don't you mm. kick off uh, this week? What have you been up to? What do you want to chat about? Uh, been playing games. Nothing, nothing recent, I don't think. Mm. I've been dipping into... Instead of playing games that are recently released and that I own, I, I think I've just been going into... Backlog? The, yeah, not even the backlog, just the archives. Backlog is things that you want to play and consider playing eventually. <laughs> uh, oh, then I don't have a big backlog. <laughs> yeah, yours is tiny. You know, there's thousands of games that you own. You you, you don't want to play. Those. Yeah, yeah, I have an archive. I don't have a backlog. I like that distinction. Yeah, yes. Um, I, I've been playing Halo today. Um, don't know why. It's 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 a good podcast game. I've never enjoyed Halo. Uh, the little bits I've played. Uh, it, the aesthetic never appealed to me. I, I don't really like space. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say fanboy. Kind of stuff. <laughs> uh, no fanboys. Uh, uh, no fanboy reason for, for, for dislike in Halo. It's, it's just never clicked with me. Um, I've never disputed like Bungie's ability to make fun shooters. That mm. Their gunplay and all their game. Well, the games that I've tried are... You know, it's it's brilliant, um, and this is just—it's competent enough for for me to keep engaged with it. I'm about halfway through the first game. Don't know if I'll continue playing any more of the series, but um, yeah, I'm in, I'm enjoying it. It's it's something just that I can ju- just shoot shoot along to, and it feels fine and it's fun enough. It, it it's it's engaging enough. Um, I, I, I haven't. Um, this might sound damning, but it's, it's exactly how I feel about like how I played Crackdown Free. Like it was just good enough as a background yeah. game, and um, I mean it's undeniable like the the cultural phenomenon that was Halo, and still kind of is. It's surprising how many people still still love that series. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, so yeah, that's undeniable, and what it did for first-person shooters on console and Xbox when you, in general. But. When you say um, you know, you think a little bit about um, about Halo as you do about Crackdown. Is that kind of mm-hmm. more your thoughts on going back to it now, or do you think that that's how you felt when you kind of played it? That's what how was it? I've when always was Halo two thousand and five or something like that. Before that, two thousand two one. Was it really? Two? I might, yeah, it, was it must have been. It must yeah. be. Yeah, it was OG. It, the level design's great. Like the, it still holds up. Um, Two thousand one. Like I'm obviously playing the anniversary edition on the Halo Chief collection, but still absolutely holds up in terms of its level design. And there are some archaic things, but um, most of it, and there's a lot of corridors. Uh, that's <laughs> what I always thought about Halo. I've never been interested in like the gun designs that enemy aesthetics and designs and stuff like that so it's never appealed to me but I, I I'm glad that I've gone back back to it and given it a fair shake you know because um, I, I 
remember playing Halo 3 and just being like, I cannot play this, this is boring. Like, yeah. the story doesn't engage me. The art art style doesn't engage me at all. So, um, but yeah, it's, it, I, I'm glad I'm giving it a fair shake this time. And yeah, I, I can say that I've played it and it's, it's a good game. And um, the only thing that stopped me listening to podcasts um, immediately when starting it is the score I've always liked yeah. and, like Marty O'Donnell's yeah. score for that game it's fantastic so yeah I played I've been playing that I'll probably finish that in the next few days nice I think uh, kind of from my perspective uh, about Halo obviously not being a big Xbox player I played a lot of Halo um, at friends houses uh, a lot of multiplayer a lot of split screen you get yeah. uh, like eight of us together or some and link up some Xboxes and a couple of back-to-back screens and sort of make an evening of it. Uh, but it's, I think it's got to be edging on one of the most recognisable uh, kind of game franchises out there. Um, yes, they've had you know several entries, some of which have been better than others. I've only ever played the first two games um, and a little bit of... Um, the one where you're not Master Chief ODST I think is that one maybe um, but like everyone knows the score everyone knows kind of what Master Chief and, and Cortana sound like you kind of you know those beats from the game you know it's it's yeah. it's definitely you just one absorb of the... it through os- osmosis because it is Absolutely. that big you know yeah, yeah. yeah so like I, yeah. I actually mentioned to Lucy earlier today uh, that my only experience with any Halo game was when I was doing my Masters, I was in the flat above me, uh, dorm essentially. Um, the guy uh, and my friend Alex had an Xbox 360 and he had a Halo game. And I played two, um, two or three multiplayer rounds because he had two controllers. There was like three or four of us. We just were doing the passive remote round. Remote. Mm. Yeah, yeah, remote. Yeah, we play games. Why won't this man move? Pass the controllers around. Um, and let's just say that evening, uh, we were enjoying, um, <coughs> what? Oh god, I just choked up. <coughs> Excuse me. He's just getting too excited about um, his, you know, experience. Uh, hilariously, we, I was going to say we enjoyed some Amsterdam smoke. Um, and that, so I don't have clear <laughs> memories of my only experience with Halo, except that <laughs> night. And it was okay, but also it was before I really yeah. got back into consoles, so I was real bad with them joysticks, thumbsticks. Mm, yeah. uh, and you mm. can imagine how that not greatness, which you've seen years <laughs> later, was really bad, um, was compounded by the um, previous mentioned air quality. Um mm. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's like <laughs> what I found though is that like they're very generous with like um, the shooting. Like you just only have to be shooting in like a, a general direction. direction, and you'll hit the enemies. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it, it doesn't have to be spot on or anything, but it had to be like that. In like this is like one of the first FPSs on console. It's not like you're gonna have precise control, but yeah, well, very I, lenient. I, I think that's probably what. Um... The key to it being so popular was was that you felt like you mm. could play an FPS and do multiplayer because of that. A large part of it must have been the forgivingness, right? 
And then as people mm-hmm. got used to that control schema, we can be, we can add more like precision in subsequent games. But, um, the reason why I brought up my lack of experience is I even recognize the score. Uh, don't know anything mm. else. I know what a Halo man looks like. Um, <laughs> the Master Chief. Yeah. Yes. Um, that's about it though. Yeah. Uh, oh, and yeah. there's a, oh, I used to know the name of the vehicle. Um, the yeah. I was going to say, mm-hmm. my brain was like, some animal grunt, but warthogs grunt. Uh, <laughs> Awful to control in this game. Um, <laughs> so bad, but it seems yeah, like the banshees and things. You're just all over oh, the place. God, yeah, of, I'm on this level where it's like it's never ending, and there's a lot of vehicle like combat. There's a tank in it, and it's like uh, I just finished it before I, I got on this podcast i was like thank christ that's why i was a bit late because i was like i need to finish this otherwise i'm just gonna yank the xbox out of the wall but um uh recent games actually that reminds me speaking of xbox i played a bit of that grounded um, oh yeah oh yeah the obsidian game uh i i went from zero interest into uh i i, I wish this was a full release now um kind of thing after i saw the the most recent trailer, which was poking fun at, um, obsidian were poking fun at themselves because nice. they're very much known for you know their RPGs, mm. uh, Pillars of Eternity, and stuff like that. Um, to be fair, like they made my favourite game in like 2014, which is South Park and the Stick of Truth. So I guess I have some like for Obsidian, mm. but um, yeah, this is the early access Honey I Shrunk the Kids game, which. Yes. It is very much that. It's, it's it's a survival game, and it's maybe because I don't really play many of that genre. It, it, I can still tell that it's got like kind of generic um, systems in it. Like, oh, you gotta you gotta maintain your um, thirst and your hunger, mm. um, and you know build build a base out of materials and stuff like that. But I think it's just the cohesive vision that this game has got, which makes it appealing. It's it's appealing to like a, a part of me which I didn't know existed, which really wants like Honey, I Shrunk the Kid aesthetics. So <laughs> that's weird, but yeah, it, it really plays into that. Like, um, it's got some cool things. Like, you know, your first by getting your first down, you take dew from like the leaves. Like most of your building materials, like chopped down with just grass blades, and um, you can make like your own little fort inside inside of a you know aluminium can and stuff like nice. that it's, it's someone had an idea and so it was, and it, it seems like the whole team were just like yes we want to focus on this vision we want to make make it just different enough from all those other survival games mm. in terms of its aesthetic and that it makes it feel fresh great know? like how yeah. many games are like have bug enemies bug like enemies um yet this feels different because it's like just normal bugs. They're not like any space bugs or anything like that. They're just like <laughs> normal ladybirds and ants and stuff like that. And yeah, it's 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 a it's promising. Um, nice. It's got a single player version oh. to it, which is what I'll be playing. So is there a plot yeah, to it, I'm, or is it just like yeah? Um... I think there's a loose plot. Like you'll be surviving and stuff but you i think the crux of it is why are you small why why have you been shrunken and oh you're not born that way it's rick moranis yeah. yeah i assumed it was either you're born that way or cuz there's a giant rick moranis as the end boss 
<laughs> I mean, that's probably where they'll go. <laughs> but, um... I don't think it'll be giant, even though you're tiny. Rick Moranis is not a big guy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, relative to you. <laughs> two, two and I mean, two, I did. Yeah. Uh, I did see a couple. Um, an interview that sort of talked about the scaling and hmm. how when they scaled everything perfectly, certain things felt off. So if, yeah, you, yeah, if you are a stickler a, a and you are, you like try to do approximate measurements, you will see that things like the Coke cans and stuff are bigger than they should be, but right, like when oh, yeah, compared absolutely. to the ants like, and stuff. The first ladybird I saw, I was like, this is like eight times the size of an actual ladybird. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's like nine, it's like 10 times the size of an ant. It's like, that's not really how it works. Yeah. But, um, yeah, but it's obviously, it's like, you know, if you're making an open world game in a city, you're not going to make it actually built like a city, because that would be awful. Yeah, especially because uh, most cities um, are fucking not well um, designed. Yeah. <laughs> yes, they're not designed for uh, street car races that, you know, have like Humvees and tanks rolling down the streets. Eight, like that, so eight no. lanes of traffic on a highway yeah. that never stops. Like, oh, I'll just go for a race on it, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's promising, and um, I'm looking forward to see how they, uh, it, you know, fulfill that vision. It's, it's quite polished already, but hmm. um, yeah, I think that, that you just need a bit of tweaking and balancing and stuff like that. So, and the arachnophobia mode is really cool. Oh um, yeah, do you want to describe that just mm-hmm. for? Uh, instead of having the, the, the full spider in the game, which is horrifying, even when um, you turn on the arachnophobia mode on, it's, they're still horrifying, they come out of nowhere, <laughs> so what, um, and just what... one hit kill you, but what it does is there's basically a slider um, that... A spider slider? You... Yeah, oh, yes, hey. a spider slider. Uh, the, the higher you go, the less features the spider has, so first they'll get rid of, like, I don't know, the hair, and then the legs... And then the fangs, and then eventually it's just uh, two blobs. Um, it I mean, can be two blobs coloured like a spider, and then it can just be like two white blobs that just. But is there a floating among? Is there a them? blob just slider? Just two white blobs floating around the garden. Yeah. yeah. What if there's? But it, what if I'm afraid of blobs and spiders? Well, you should. I guess you just put it in the middle, and you're like, I guess it's this. <laughs> <laughs> no, but even like like you just feel unsettled after playing that game. You're like, because it's just all those creepy crawlies. Like even the ants, and ants don't bother me. But it's like yeah, they're a bit. When you finish playing that game, you do feel icky. <laughs> I did. I did notice it's got this very um, kind of bright, vibrant, almost mm. not not quite cartoony aesthetic, but it's sort of. Uh, it's pretty towards that sort of way <laughs> is 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 does that kind of uh, the aesthetic that they've gone for, which is I guess trying to be um, kind of as appealing as possible and as vibrant as possible and, and pop and look really good, mm-hmm. um, it, it kind of makes it feel um, like this is the wrong word for it, but it makes it feel uh, um, kind of a bit kiddie, you know, more in the realms of something like um, Slime Rancher. And those kind of games, those really bright, cartoony games. And with that, does that kind of translate over into any of those like survival elements? Is it a uh, a more easy going game on those fronts, or is it kind of 
akin to the more hardcore survival games where you really have to watch those meters? Uh, or does it no, give you a little yeah. bit uh, it, of leeway? Yeah, it, it's it's not um, like crushingly difficult or, you know, super, super tough in like the survival aspects. Um, it's not like the long dark, let's say. Um, it, this is very much... Oh, it's appealing to a wider audience. Kids are probably going to play it. I mean, mm. kids are, are far better at survival games than me, so yeah. they, <laughs> they probably know what they're doing way better. I think but, that's that's just general in all yeah. games for all yeah. of us, really. Yeah, yeah. But you're playing as like um, teenagers, so they've got a, they've got a very like uh, it's very light-hearted, very like some of the text and dialogue uh, uh, um, and in-game menus are just written quite lightheartedly and funnily and mm. stuff like that so it's got that whole kind of um playful vibe running throughout it so so yeah i i think the aesthetics match with the um kind of gameplay and stuff like that so cool yeah it, it's not one of those that are crushingly um hard and punishing like when i died i i respawned straight away all that all that really happened was that my um backpack was i had to go retrieve it um mm. but there was no other penalty other than that so okay. yeah maybe there'll be different modes that are just like you know real survival mode or yeah different levels mode. of difficulty or mm. something like yeah yeah because i know a state of decay for example um because that has permadeath i think they uh it reintroduced like it you know, easier mode recently into that game, mm. so uh, there's no reason why this couldn't have a like hard as balls mode or something right. like that if they wanted to <laughs> in the end. So, um, yeah, that was fun. Um, would, nice. Do you uh, think you'll keep up? What with the updates, uh, playing playing it more like as I go? Yeah. No, I I prefer just to let the game release, play it when it's yeah. fully out. Yeah, I think they're going to have like monthly updates. I I don't know when they were going to release it, like 1.0 uh, version. Um, but yeah, it's like I've tried it out. I'm interested. I'll let it, you know, cook some more, and then when it's out, I'll, I'll, I'll give it another shot. Nice, nice. Yeah. Um, Maybe yeah. get into that multiplayer a little bit, Alus. No, uh, <laughs> <laughs> not a chance. <laughs> Uh, maybe if I really need help, uh, you know, I'll just avoid the spiders. To be honest, um, they're, they're they're not fun. Uh, they just one hit kill you. So it would be it'd be interesting it. to know how it how does it do you know how it deals with multiplayer? Is everyone kind of in the same play space? Because uh, uh, if you've got if you've got arachnophobia, you know, some play point on that sliding scale. Can you then only play with people of the same points because you're all in the same instance? Maybe. Yeah, like, but your yeah, but, but your local graphics rendering, yeah. right? Like the graphics rendering is yeah. always done mm. locally, so it's just it's just swapping textures, presumably. The hitboxes mm-hmm. and everything will stay the same, which means yeah. Yeah. that there's no way to interact with individual hairs on spiders because we know they're, they're legs, not part yeah. of the hitbox. It'll probably just be the body. So you yeah. can't just jump on a spider and pull that, its hair. Like... Bad game. Yeah, yeah I love Lucy's look at that. The very preposterous thing I mentioned. She's like, "No, of course not. That's awful." Yeah. We'll just move on from that. <laughs> <immediately> from... <laughs> we are a PCA game. Well, um, 
one last game. Mm. Um, I, I played a 26-year-old sequel to a point-and-click game called Beneath uh, a Steel Sky. Oh, the oh. sequel is called Beyond a Steel I Sky. I didn't know Beneath a Steel Sky had a sequel. It came out on Apple Arcade and I think PC recently. Well, oh, um, yeah. Yeah, about a month ago. Wait, is the sequel 26 years old or is the original? Tw- the sequel? No, no. <laughs> well, it depends on what you mean. It took 26 years for the yeah, yeah, sequel okay. to come so, out. I don't it, think they worked it's a, on it. It's a new long. game that is a sequel to a 26 year old game. Sequel to That's a what I was confused. I'm like, how did I never hear about this, this game? But yeah, yeah I didn't uh, because it didn't exist. Okay. The the original came out in 1994. Mm-hmm. Um, it was one of my first God games. Oh, yeah. Okay. I... Yeah, it's free on Steam, free on GOG. Um, oh. Yeah, it, it, it... I enjoyed it. I, I first played it this, this year because I'm a fan of Revolution Software. They make... Uh, I think they're most famous for their Broken Sword yeah. point-and-click series, so... Um, this was a few years before the first Broken Sword. Um, yeah, like it's 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 their first I enjoyed, game. I enjoyed or first no. big hit. I think it was their first big hit. Yeah, it wasn't their first game, but um, yeah, it was. It, I think it, we we can call it a cult classic at this point. People really speak highly of that game. Um, the original that is. Yeah. Uh, the sequel, Beyond a Steel Sky. Uh, does away with like the two D uh, pixel art. Take a drink. Um, everybody's keeping score of two D mm. pixel art references, mm. but uh, it doesn't away with that formula. And it goes to more three D. Ostensibly, it really is just a point and click adventure game. It's like speak to this NPC, get this object, and use this object here. So it's very much. It's got the same puzzles. I mean, it's very much in the style of those early. 3D point-and-click adventure games, which were mostly bad, I think I can say. Uh, <laughs> in, like, the late 90s, early noughties, that's really where, like, I fell off the train, and I think a mm. lot of people yeah. fell off the yeah. point-and-click train, because th- those were... It wasn't a good transition. They, yes. Like, when you look at something like Thimbleweed Park, you just think, why didn't they just carry on with that formula? Yeah. Because um, then you wouldn't have Thimbleweed Park, please. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I love Thimbleweed Park. I want a sequel. Anyway, uh, Beyond a Steel Sky. Yeah, it's it, 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 it very much has those teething issues of like those 3D games where nothing, it, it just doesn't feel as good. And okay. The, 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 the vision and the the gameplay constraints are just so much more. Like in a two D, um, in a two D point and click game, you can do all manner of things and go to, I think, more 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 locales. You know, it's it's less. You know, the production values don't require. You know, full three D modeling. They don't need these vast environments to run around in a three D space. I just think there's so much more you can do for two D game in that sense. So Beyond of Steel Sky feels very constrained by its budget and the production values and it not the vision because they obviously had a vision that you are going back to Union City like in the first game and it is like a more realized version of that but it's very you are very much in these 
individual and separate locales. You're not mm. exploring a bigger world or anything like that. It, it kind the story kind of shoves you into the next play space, which is uh, there's only so much to do there. There's only so much to interact with, and the puzzles are very straightforward. It's like you use the crowbar probably like twenty times in this game, and like hardly anything else. There's no like things that you know in, in your inventory that need combining or mm, um, so it's, it, it, I used it more than you know there's like there's probably throughout the entire game you probably get like 10 items and it's like oh really okay. oh, wow. yeah it's not it's not a lot and it's like okay this I have this item I, I can only use it on so many number of things right that that seem that, that kind of puzzle solving seems to be absent in this game. What they instead rely on is a kind of um, it's kind of this hacking mini game that is a solution to far too many puzzles. They rely on it far too mm. much. It's a cool concept where it's like um, you have this hacking mini tool and you can basically change. Um, it's sort of sort of like programming language. It's like if a equals this, then mm. b equals this, and it's like Okay, if um, if I use this vending machine, it will dispense this can. Um, if if I have the right credentials, if I don't have the right credentials, it won't um, dispense the can. So I could change it so it's like, oh, if I don't have the right credentials, it will display this, it will dispense right, the can okay. or something yeah. like that. And you and then these things get layered, and you can introduce like new. Um, what different objects into that and stuff? It, it's it's, it's kind of cool, like a lot mini object oriented, like logic puzzling. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Like the first couple of times, and then they use it right, like in almost every puzzle of the game. And it's like, <laughs> it's like okay, I get it. And it's like it's like so. Some of them are genuinely cool, but once you've seen that so many times and. It, you just like you're really relying on this mechanic. A someone lot. was very, very proud of that system. Yeah, and as they should be, but not for the twentieth time. Um, <laughs> so yeah, and it, it's just riddled with like glitches and bugs, and mm. it's it, it, it's. I'm surprised I got through it all. I I almost didn't because I played it on Apple Arcade. I played most of it on my phone. Um, okay, and. There came a point where it's like, oh, I'm ready to move on to the next place. These characters will talk, and it would just crash to oh, no. whatever whatever desktop is on a iOS device. I mean, and every time, and then I was like, okay, I'll go on to my iPad and see if. It, thank God it worked. It but, it, it just managed uh, to do it. It's got like iCloud saves right. and cross progression. Um, thank God. How which iPhone do you have out of curiosity? Oh, I don't know. Oldish, yeah, no. newish. No, why? I got this from my why? cousin. Oh, okay. I mean, I was just thinking, why? like, so I think it's eight oh, Okay, so so not old. What's that? Three years? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I was just curious. It's not. Old. Um, mm. but I mean, this is one of the problems of a like sealed environment that they try and pretend everything can run forever, but it can't. Um, but also, I. It, I yeah, but I don't think it's the device. I, this game is just buggy uh, as hell. I mean, yeah. I do think it's it's, it's a problem. Yeah. Mm. I do think that the bar needs to be higher for mobile games, 
than other games for things like crashing because you have no yeah. access to anything and you like there's no nothing you can do. Uh, and 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 yeah. the premise of like mobile apps is that they work or they're slow. Mm. Like that, that those like they work or they're slow. Um, like you can't yeah. have a crash midway through. Um, that's really yeah. bad. Yeah, and it, yeah, it's it's not an isolated incident because every review. Uh, professional or user, they complain of like it crashes, ah. and there's just bugs everywhere and glitches everywhere. It's like it's like you see people without heads and people walking on top of other people, and it's a lot. Yeah, <laughs> I saved often, <laughs> let's say, <laughs> uh, but it was probably what about five hours. It, it was nice to be back in that kind of universe. Um, even though it wasn't as fully realized as could have been, but I don't know what the real smacker was. Was in the credits when it said "produced by Apple." I'm just thinking, Apple, you couldn't have given these people a little bit more time or something to just at least iron out the bugs. Yeah, another, another month. Yeah, uh, maybe mm. they went over budget. Maybe you know we we don't know what Revolution Software did, but surely you could have given them Which, enough time. Maybe some. Poor QA, you know, tester in um, Cupertino or wherever their bases are in San Francisco or whatever, and just say, like, kid, just just QA test this and for us, please. Yeah. <laughs> Sit in a room for ten days and QA. Test I know uh, from from a few things that I've read uh, that Apple Arcade and, and and Apple moving forward with this program and kind of the games that they are willing and wanting to pump money into have been more on the um, recurrent income side and they have just cancelled um, some projects that were in kind of full swing that didn't yeah. fit with their new kind of model that they wanted them to. Maybe maybe this kind of was at a point where they suddenly went, mm, it needs to be out in the next month or we're just going to mm-hmm. cut it. Uh, you know, you've got a yeah. month just to be able to put it out uh, doesn't fit with kind of the ethos that we're now moving towards, or the games that we want to be putting out there. We want, we you know, we want people to come back to Apple Arcade every month or every week to check this the progress of this game. You know, they want something like a Pokemon Go, where you keep yeah. up your subscription every month to continue to I mean, play one of those kinds of games. That makes sense. I mean, it also makes sense because after the initial burst of games. The biggest complaint after like month two or three was, I played all the like you gave me a bunch of cool games. I love this. This is the greatest. And it's like now there's no more new games, or the ones that are new aren't like nearly as gripping. Like it's a problem when you launch a service like that with this all star standard type of game lineup, but don't have but like they didn't leave anything for month two or three. They just, I guess, expected that mm. more people, would, like more developers, would just sign on. I guess, or I don't know, or, or didn't have foresight. And then it's just become, I, 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 like, I've heard from a lot of people, it's just kind of a desert of. Once I'm done with these games, I, I might come back in a couple months and re-renew. But obviously, the, the way these subscription models work is you kind of have to not ever cancel. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because there was recent updates for like Grindstone and What the Golf and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, they, as you say, I think they are very much leaning into that kind of model. Um, the recurrent year user mm. or whatever 
of a gross marketing corporate term they use. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I'm I'm an exceptional um, exception to probably most people who have ever subscribed to Apple Arcade. Where I I, I really like uh, some of these games. It's nice just to. Um, there's a lot that they they, re- they usually release one every week, um, and the quality's been good so far. I think this is eventually Apple Arcade will just be something that I remember fondly. I don't think it's going to stick around all too long. Um, oh, it's going to be like Pandora. Yeah. But yeah, everyone in the states is like, man, that was the best streaming music service and recommender service, and then, yeah. now it's like, yeah. what? I don't know. Spotify's fine. <laughs> Napster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think yeah. that's. I'll just. Remember it fondly. Thought, yeah, I got a fair decent deal paying what five pound a month and playing all these, all these decent games. That it'd be interesting if the, if these games could be found anywhere else. But that's that's the whole crux of the service. It's like, mm-hmm. um, in terms of like the mobile space, obviously these games come to PC and stuff like that. Um, and it seems like even a shorter. Uh, Runway that they get on Apple Arcade before taking off on other systems like Necroverista was a week. Beyond <laughs> a Steel Sky was maybe two weeks to a month. So mm. I don't know. It's yeah. a weird, 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 weird thing. But I'll I'll make I'll take advantage of it whilst it's here. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Let's um, let's crack open another beer. Are you ready, Adol? I can be. Um, why don't you okay. start, and I Chug will um, rinse my glass, because I didn't bring two. Sure. Uh, I am going to drink another double IPA. Uh, and and again, it's another new brewery for me. Uh, this is Of Juice, number three, from Three Hills Brewing. Uh, oh, that's nice. It is 9%. It oh. tells me right on the front, under the title, it's got Cryo Mosaic, Citra Mosaic BBC in it. Um, it says, and I've not had anything from Three Hills before, but I've seen them around probably since lockdown in various different... Um, like I think I saw them with cans which just had white printed white sticky labels on some of them you know those, those that, that sort of stuff but uh, Three Hills is a small batch brewery located in a countryside village Northamptonshire sourcing inspiration and ingredients globally we produce cutting edge seasonal styles brewed expertly for maximum enjoyment of juice is a double IPA designed to fulfill all those fruity tropical juicy hop based needs and yet the hops were cryo mosaic citra mosaic BBC the malt is extra pale marisotta, bestow, and carapils, oats, and wheat. And the yeast is New England ale. Drink fresh, vegan, friendly. I mean, is it? It's vegan, I guess. Then just or is it just friendly with vegans? <laughs> they like vegans over there, but they don't cater to them. <laughs> right, I'm having this. Hello. Yes, have I have a beer that you probably also have had because it is from the f- same box. <gasps> oh no, Ben! Oh. What are you, me? Yeah, I was about to say that's a, that's all right. That's it's a deal move. It's only gone all over my leg. That's fine. Uh, I've that can got. Be washed. Sorry. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> I've got the uh, resonance coconut and chocolate stout uh, from 
The Morslutel. Morslutel? God, my Dutch is terrible <laughs> now. Um, the beer, be, oh, yes. beer engineers. Oh, it's, oh, I think I might have turned autofocus off, so now I'm just making a blurry face at you guys on screen. Um, okay. It's got water, <laughs> malted barley, hops, coconut, cacao nibs, lactose, and yeast. So it's a cho- co- coconut and chocolate milk stout. Though I assume that by not calling it a milk stout, they're directly that it might have just a low amount of lactose. It might be just sort of stitching taste together. But it is a hearty 8% in a standard 330ml can. Also, I, I love the, like the sound, like the, the waveforms art. Mm. And then the like late 90s animation home animation font like i used this font when i did um videos in the like av club back in high school there's definitely there's definitely some low-end uh metal or like grindcore bands that have used that font on their albums yeah absolutely i've done i've not poured my beer fully into the glass it's it's very heady look at it it's definitely bubbly it's definitely going it's going oh um Oh, sorry. I just took a sip from the top of my can and got th- made noises. <laughs> um, where do I want to take this picture? This is very, very. Um... Did they say it was like Cara pills or caramel or something in this? It's definitely yeah, Cara pills. It's definitely got that kind of like caramelly, almost toffee kind of nose to it. Not a huge amount of uh, of fruits in there coming off of the um, coming off of the hops on the nose. Ooh, um, it's it's a, a, a similar color to the to the previous beer actually, but um, a little thinner perhaps in um, in its appearance, a little bit more translucent than the than the last one. Um, carbonation, which is massive, bubbled up out of a can, big thick head, right? Uh, which has dissipated a little bit, but will very much be there when I pour it back in. Uh, doesn't come through in the mouthfeel at all, but it's an odd flavour. Um, it's got this kind of. It's very very malty, and it's got this richness to it that definitely kind of edges on a sort of slightly caramel slightly biscuity kind of note you know those digestives which are chocolate covered but they've got a caramel layer on them as well it it, it, it kind of minus a little bit of the chocolate it's almost it reminds me of that um this said it was going to be a, 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 a a tropical juicy double IPA, but I'm not getting that at all. Mm. This is very malt forward. Mm. I mean, the, the, there are there are some background fruits in there. Again, hard to pick those out because I'm really just getting that nice caramelly, biscuity sort of flavour to it. I don't know whether the... Um, the, you know, however they condition this, um, and just that amount of 
carbonation that has kind of exploded and then disappeared really quickly has um, caused a, a, a bit of a lack of those kind of tropical fruits coming through. But it's maybe not quite as big as the flavour text led me to believe. Mm. I, I do not feel or get on the flavour the 9% at all. That is hidden really, really well. And Okay, having a little bit out of the can. Now, just getting a little bit more of the tropical fruits. They're starting to creep through a little bit. Maybe a little bit sort of passion fruity. Little bit grapefruity as well. That sort of just kind of there, but not really presenting itself very much. It is definitely led by those slightly biscuity, slightly sweet, caramelly malts, uh, which in itself is lovely and is a very nice taste to have. It isn't quite what they said they were going for, but we'll see how it goes as I as I drink. Uh, Adam, we'll come to you. Yeah, so I How's took the coconut I stout. Took a, coconut stout or coconut, coconut water? And, uh, it's a stout. It's a coconut yeah. and chocolate stout. Mm. Um, so I took a small sip of the remnants that get stuck on the lip when you pour, and oh, coconut! Um, you smell it. Mm. The nose is quite sweet um, and coconutty. It it smells like when you you know desiccated coconut that you some people bake with. You know, first time you crack a bag, get that hit of that. Sweet mm. coconut. Um, it's, it's exactly that, and maybe a little bit of the end of the nose has got some deeper maltiness. Gives the nose less one note, but it immediately is like, "Well, oh, coconut." Yep, I get why you called it coconut. Nice. It's eight percent. I'm. It's eight percent. No, go it's on. A stout. Um, it's quite thin. Like I was expecting it to be more velvety with the lactose. You know, and um, and the stoutiness. Oh, that is super interesting. Okay, yeah. Um, so I was going to say it starts quite sweet. That lactose is just making it sweet. The coconut is there. Takes a while to to be displaced. And unfortunately, because of the sweetness, and and like I said, because it, it and the no, the nose even sort of harkens to this that. Lactose sweetness in that coconut kind of makes it fa- taste like fake coconut. When you got to keep yeah. like a bounty bar, which I like bounty bars, um, but they're not. They don't have a depth of coconut flavor. Mm. Um, but what's interesting is, uh, right as the, the mid, sort of the peak of the taste curve, it sort of switches gears, and the cacao nibs kick in, and it's like, oh. Kinda maybe chocolatey coffee, <laughs> and you're like, wait, what? What just happened? Which is why I interrupted myself. Which I'm assuming is what you were gonna say earlier, Ben. Um, it's it's like literally bewildering the first couple of sips. You're like, yeah. oh yeah, bounty, whoa, coffee. Wait, what? Um, and except for that moment of switching, I like both sides. But again, I think the lactose and the coconut are. The lactose is not doing the coconut any fla- flavors, any favors, any flavor favors. <laughs> Just let go of one letter. Yeah, that's all. Um, <laughs> Wait, yeah, but but those cacao nibs. Mm. It's not. It is cacao. It's not quite coffee, but I think 
the lingering bitterness and like it leaves you super dry. Like it gets bitter and dry and like like bitter and coffee cacao dry and dry really quickly. Mm. But like the mouthfeel is actually like my mouth isn't actually dry. It's just a, it. I think it's that huge gear change coupled with it's really rich cacao nibs. It's not chocolate. It's not milk chocolate, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think that's what get, drove me to coffee at first because it was like, oh, that bitterness and that cacao. It's like, oh, this is coffee. This is just like chocolatey coffee. But it's not. It's cacao nibs um, that make me feel like I want to get rid of it. Like it's almost too strong even without the the gear change. Um, I, I kind of – like I keep I'm, – I'm, talking so i'm not reaching for it but i keep even though my mouth like the texture is and the mouthfeel are not dry at all i'm like kind of want to get rid of this lingering aftertaste i kind of just don't like it as much i think it overstays his welcome like i liked it initially i was surprised by it I'm continuously surprised by it but i like the cacaoness but then it stays that strong while everything else fades and then you're like now it's one note and that note is like super strong cacao and i'm not sure i want that to be lingering in my mouth for 45 seconds so maybe i'll take another sip mm. um what are you you I, had it so i did and i i thought very similarly like i'm not a big coconut fan in beers but this sort of worked for me because of that switch um and the switch happens quite quickly you're kind of um assailed with coconuts and then it's like oh there's something else happening here. Uh, and I remember drinking it very quickly. Um, it was after, I think, that box had maybe four or five stouts in it. Yeah. Um, and I think I'd had, I drank that one, uh, which it may have been the third stout of the night that I oh, had. So yeah. I was kind of already yeah. accustomed to a few more of those flavors. And I can definitely see why you move away from kind of coffee. Um, on that back end of that uh, of that beer, but I, I I think I enjoyed it. I think it's it's a a coconut beer that I've enjoyed much more than any of the other coconut beers because it's doing something slightly different. It's not just a coconut beer. So yeah, um, yeah. Like I said, I was just shocked by that gear change. Whoop. Um. You're back. Let's talk more about this beer while Lucy does what she needs to do yeah, um, before we move into our so, next topic. Yeah, I'm hoping that uh, the I'll get used to the bitterness, mm. like the strength of the cacao, because I really like all the individual pieces except that lingering finish. Yeah, um, and and I mean, it would just be ideal if I got acclimatized because then this it would just be like what I mean. Let's let's go through. The, if you go through the back catalog, boy, does it still like to say, "I love a challenging taste curve." Uh, I've this is the first beer in a long time that's like really like been like, nope, like just like I I thought I was at a peak, but it turns out I can't think of it as a single curve because it's actually like two yeah. dimen- two dimensional. There's another vector where it's like I'm peaking twice in quick succession, mm-hmm. but I'm peaking coconut and then I'm ke- peaking entirely not coconut. It's not. It's not a nice. It's not a nice taste sort of wave. It's absolutely sort of 
some odd, awful graph where you get kind of to the top and it just drops. Down yeah, I was just like, starts again. It's, I think the key is that flavor. it's not a continuous curve, right? It's like, yeah, hop somewhere else in this taste space now. Just, just left. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Good. Well, you drink it. See if it see yeah. if it grows on you a little bit more. See if that finish does um, does sit with you a little bit better as you as you get through it. Um, I uh, kind of leading on slightly mm. from what uh, a comment Lucy made, and we were talking about earlier um, about the representation of a city within open worlds and how that wouldn't happen. Um, I actually wanted to talk about open world games, having played still some more Ghost of Tsushima. I. I'm nowhere near the end of that game. It is massive. The world is massive. There's loads of stuff to do. There's tons of quests. Um, so I don't know whether it feels um, too big. Uh, I think my tastes have changed very slightly in wanting different things from kind of an open world game and the length or the breadth and the openness that I actually want from them. But I kind of wanted to pose the question to both of you. Um, and I'll give you some time to think while I kind of give my thoughts. But have either of you come across a, uh, an open world game that you've actually felt comfortable with the size of the open world? Something that has worked quite well. Um, and I only really think of two examples. They're both very, very different. The first is Mad Max. Um, wasn't massive, but because of the... Um, the car element to it, which it revolves around quite heavily, it needed to be a nice wide open space. And actually that game felt comfortable in moving between kind of mission points and stuff on the map that you sort of found that you weren't drive for 10 seconds at something else, drive for 10 seconds at something else, drive for 10 seconds at something else. It allowed you a little bit of freedom to, you know, drive the car and feel it and kind of get into it and get into a bit of combat and do some stuff. And then present you with something where you may get out of the car and go and do. Or a town that you go and do kind of a mission on. And it it's a game which I think lent itself very well and scaled itself very well. Based upon the sort of the two elements that it tried to do with the car, the traversal around the world and the car combat that it brought. But also then the, the, the kind of the on foot sections and moving around the little encampments and the forts and things. And I felt that that was a very well scaled world for the kind of those two elements that it was trying to do, mm-hmm. um, but also um, and Sucker Punch's previous game, Infamous Second Son, wasn't a massive game, wasn't a huge world, but it had some nice distinct areas. It was full. It had things to do. It wasn't a long game, and I, yeah, I. I didn't like that open world but yeah. yeah it wasn't i don't know i can't remember it was so long ago <laughs> it was <laughs> like six it was years really ago. Ago. yeah <laughs> it was more it must be well yeah seven maybe seven yeah um but it, it kind of in my mind that's one that sort of sticks with me like i didn't i didn't linger too long in this in this space i didn't kind of outstay my welcome sort of anywhere. And that does lead on to kind of Spider-Man, the the, the PS4 exclusive Spider-Man a little bit as well. But that did feel sort of the right scale for what they were trying to achieve with the web thing. There was a little bit too much maybe going on. I felt myself stopping too much in that game, perhaps 
to do certain things, you know, stop uh, enemies in certain areas, uh, go to the research stations to do little side missions. And I didn't get to do maybe as much kind of swinging around the city in that as, um, say, in comparison to Mad Max, which gave me the freedom to kind of just drive and do right. things on the fly and stuff. Spider-Man maybe felt a little bit more full. Infamous, I think, had a or Second Son had a very good balance in what it was trying to do, at least from my memory of it from X number of years ago. Um, but they're kind of the only two uh, games that I can really think of that I think had a good scale mm. and a good balance in uh, how full they were in terms of the, the open world. And Ghost of Tsushima, it, it's almost there. Like the balance between the amount of stuff in the open world and and how far you have to travel and things is balanced very well. It's just so big that it is a you know a fifty-hour game rather than a thirty-hour game, or at least that's what it feels like currently to me. Um, Lucy, I'll start yeah. with you. You're not the biggest open-world player, uh, but you have played some of the more notable games like Red Dead and uh, Breath of the Wild and things. So, is there anything um, that sticks out to you as being kind of you know on point in terms of the open world? I think. Where this is a hard question to answer is not exactly what I feel constitutes as an open world game, but more so that I I think what you're alluding to is like the structure, like these Mm -hmm. are open world games in the sense that there's a through line story, but you have this open, hopefully dynamic, you know, open space. But, like, there's so many games that are, like, quote-unquote open world that I don't I don't really feel that are, like, open world because, like, something like Prey is... You have the whole space station. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's an immersive sin, so it's like, oh... You do need these certain abilities to access different parts of this spaceship, but a lot of it is open, so I wouldn't call that an open world game, but it uses its world to good effect Mm, in that sense. Whereas, I don't know, something like it's hard because Horizon Zero Dawn, um, I, I think I just get out of open worlds what I want. It's like if with with Spider-Man, it's like the game was fun enough to do all those mindless things. Because a lot of them were mindless, like yeah. pigeons or something like that. So I I think it's how much I'm engaged with like the mechanics and um like if if I wanna create my own fun, like in the t- in terms of like a GTO or stuff like that, um or a Red Dead and, and just Because Red Dead is huge. Mm-hmm. It's it's probably too big, but I got what I wanted out of that world. I I explored enough of it. I didn't need to explore every nook and cranny. Like there's yeah. no, there's a checklist on Red Dead that's probably would probably take someone eight hundred years to get through. So, it's, <laughs> but I I got enough out of that out of the story um, um, and stuff like that. I don't re even if it's an open world game. It I rarely interact with everything that open world has. Sure. Um, not to say that what's been put in there is not 
not good. I mean, I'm sure everything, I'm sure every side quest in like The Witcher is fantastic. Um, does the world need to be that big? Probably not. Mm. But if I was to go through The Witcher and then all the way through and enjoy what, you know, the story and the few side quests that I enjoyed, I'd be fine with that. I think it's when there's, I think people. <laughs> think that like, with open world games they have to do everything like mm-hmm. and i'm just not that person it's like i'm there may be this checklist there may be this assassin's creed like you know question marks everywhere i can leave all yeah. that crap you know god like, I w- i'm getting better at that but that used to be my achilles heel in these games was like completionist <laughs> angst no because like any race i'm not gonna do it because they're not fun racing in open world games is never fun um so Fucking fact, hundred percent like, yeah, true, like unassailable <laughs> fact. <laughs> Apart like, from Horizon burnout Zero paradise, Dawn. but that's a yes. That's, <laughs> that's, why that's why are you gonna do me like this, bro? <laughs> yeah, because like Horizon Zero Dawn, like I, I don't really think about how big or small that world was because I, I, I didn't care about you know uncovering every quest or doing sure. every, you know, hunter's mission or stuff like that, so they they feel as big as or as small it, it, if the game's boring and like a lot of the side quests and the, what fills that world is boring then the world's too big sure. if, if it's yeah. like, oh I enjoy what's going on, the game's fine yeah. for me e- even if it's huge I'm I'm never going to interact with everything unless it's something like spider-man where i can just it's easy and the gameplay was fun enough where i didn't mind doing that you know so if i can turn my brain off like in mafia 3 i always consider that like just a single player game because the open world is nothing Mm. but cool yeah yeah it's 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 crackdown 3 is my answer that's a good answer, to be fair. <laughs> Just throw it out there at the end. Um, sure. Yeah. We'll, fin- we'll, we'll, we'll finish on <laughs> that and move to Adam. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, boy, I want to say stuff uh, to what Lucy was saying, but actually I think I'll pause and just give my two answers uh, and then go on and... and uh, yeah. And, anyway. um, sleeping dogs. Ooh. Best GTA nice. clone probably does GTA four better than GTA four or anything after. Like I think it's it, it it's such a great moment of like why everyone liked GTA three and San Andreas and Vice City and uh gets the size right, gets the world interact right. Sure, there's like four buildings you can go into, but that doesn't matter. Um it's not about Having intricate architectural layouts on seven buildings so you make, it makes the world feel bigger because like GTA 5 has, you can go in some buildings and when you go into them, they're real buildings. They're not just some shitty room, but also you can't go into most buildings. So it, yeah. I think this like race to make it big, uh, and more detailed because we don't have the power to do that and it's just not worth anyone's time to fully model every, like, you're a criminal. You should be able to break into almost every house. So um, if you're going to say h- houses have layouts, fuck you. I, I want to go into every house. Obviously, that's not going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I've already tangented myself out. Um, I actually think Crackdown 1 is one of my favorite open world games because it's silly and small. And yeah, I, and I think both of them do this 
thing that Lucy sort of touched on but didn't immediately say, and so did you, Ben, with Mad Max and Spider-Man, is traversal, right? Traveling through the world has to be fun. It's a bad mm. thing for an open world game to to make me want to fast travel. Unless I'm, like, running out of time or whatever. But, like, yeah. I know so many people say, like, Spider-Man is a game where fast travel exists, but why the fuck would you use it, right? I use that because, like, at the end of the day, I wanted to get... Yeah, yeah but, uh, but I'm saying, like, like... Some of those transitions are really fun. And yeah, stuff, but I'm saying, like, the fact yeah. that you p- might pause and be like, look, this is going to take me ten minutes, but I might mm. do that instead of just skip non-integral part of game, that means you've got mm-hmm. the setting and movement in the setting. And as these games have gotten bigger, traversal is most of your time in the game, and that's why it's so important, yeah. right? Um, yeah. which is, Roach is Yeah, on. so which is why, like, Ghost of Tsushima, um, <laughs> the fact that they've really done a good job of horse mechanics, apparently, is really important. Yeah. Um, because otherwise... Speaking of traversal, my ans- real answer... Mm-hmm. Well, second answer. Crackdown Freeze is a real answer, but uh, Sunset Overdrive. Yeah. Ooh, I, I, I did everything in that world. Uh, it's one of the few games I didn't yeah. finish. And I like when I was getting rid of my Xbox, I was like, I really want to go back to that game. That's so what? Like one of the few things where it's like, oh. Some PC. Is it now? <laughs> yes. Oh. Is it on Game Pass I'm on PC? Sure. Are you just saying uh, things, Lucy? I don't think so. Wow. Uh, um, but yeah, I would go back to that game. Sunset Overdrive 2 for PS5, and I might buy one. Yeah. Um, so, and so, like, with Sleeping Dogs, it was, because it's Hong Kong, and obviously gamified Hong Kong, it's very small, but has very distinct areas. Mm. Yes. And actually, traversal for the first, like, few hours of the game was torture, because uh, Hong Kong is British side of the road. <laughs> and all the games I've played have catered to my North American normal. <laughs> like it's, the, the number of times I like tried to like speed around a corner and just plowed into something because <laughs> I'm I thought oh I'll have time to dodge around someone going the same direction but me going faster not the same when they're like coming at their speed it's like oh yeah right <laughs> shit oh no I've killed myself again. This same way, um, but I also think um, that for for that game, the plot, the narrative held me, and it made sense why you were traveling across. It didn't feel like go talk to this guy over there so you can see the open world, and then he's going to point you back over pretty much here so you can fight this guy who turned out to be next door or exactly at a third place on the map because this will make yeah. you see all the effort we put into. It had the, yeah. the the narrative made sense that you would have to go all over Hong Kong, um, and so the traversal seemed plot forward, um, and it yeah. was fun. Um, and I think the big problem I have with a lot of open world games is when it seems arbitrary. Like obviously, a story's not going to be like, yeah, all the people you need to care about are in this six block radius. But like when it's like when it's ping ponging you, you know someone's designed this, and you're like. This is bad quality of life, and you chose to make it this way. Um, and in, unless there's a reason, right? Like, like with Mad Max, the like space between mattered, right? Like uh, for the narrative, like the, the, you're going through the desert, etc. Yeah. Um, it, and it's a tough thing. Yeah, it, I think as 
what you're alluding to, Adil, is a lot of it is structure, yeah. whether that's traversal, story, you know, what the side quests are, if there are any, and just the content of the game. Like, and if something's repetitive all the time, just the same thing, same, it, that 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 would grow and I, it, on anybody. You know? Yeah, I think the key is that, like, nobody, like you said about Horizon. Um, it's an open world game that you don't have to treat as open world. I like, like, yeah, it, it carves like, its own linear path through and allows you to jump around. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's probably the, my favorite type of open world game, where like if there's a rewards for for exploring, etc. But I also like like it's I think it's either like Crackdown One is like pff, narrative doesn't matter, just. Yeah, get bigger, better, and you can go to new places and like and and because your superpowers also it's like kind of Metroidvania in that sense, right? Like you get to new parts of the map by being able to jump higher, etc. <clears throat> and so in that sense, having a wide expansive map makes sense because you every time you loop around, you will you will you will experience new things because you couldn't before. Um, versus like a lot of games feel like it's either an open world game that they tack a narrative on or a narrative they tack an open world on. And yeah, we have the technology to make most, a lot of games open world, but I think the worst thing is where the narrative is kind of a tight corridor with some branching paths, which is kind of like, I think a good recipe for maybe slap an open world. Cause then maybe I'll pick different, if your narrative is flexible enough, I can take a different I need to hit like these seven nodes, but I maybe I can take a different path, and maybe there's an extra fourteen mm-hmm. nodes, any you know, distributed that are side quests, and every person will have a different story. Great, open world. But when you put yeah. those fourteen nodes on a map that's could easily have four hundred and seven spots, that's yes. where it all falls you apart. You get the witness. It, it's like, yeah. sorry. <laughs> You get the witness. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> which is but, yeah, a really good open world yeah. game. Yeah, best open world game, the witness. But like that, I think the biggest problem is we, the race to the, to big without just a, like without it being yeah. mean, it big for big sake is terrible, and we have the technology to make really big, and uh, yeah, and I, I think that's that's uh, where you get like uh, side quests that are just filler instead of side quests that are side mm-hmm. quests. Right, and we've 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 seen a lot of open world games this generation. I think that's only going to continue into the into the next as people have a little bit more power to play yeah. with and a little bit more load speeds and things like that. They can generate bigger spaces quicker, so yeah. draw distances can be a little bit bigger, and people will take advantage of things. Oh, yeah, again, Ghost of Tsushima, uh, Breath of the Wild. If you can see it, you can go there and, I, I and, think, and get yeah. up here. Like, Breath of the Wild and Red Dead are the only games I've played in probably what, the last 15 years where it's, I've been interesting to know what's around every corner and like mm. I know something different is going to come around every corner um, and those are the only two examples I can give <laughs> like yeah I think they are just top of their class in terms of what makes an open world fun um, yes, I, I mean Breath of the yeah, Wild. Absolutely. I can't believe I didn't mention earlier, but like it does open world in a very unique way that you wouldn't expect. Like it, it does reward exploring for exploring's sake, and I think part of that is like, yeah, like you, 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 when you 
are limited, then you get your horse, then you, uh, and like, but it is kind of like crackdown in the same sense. It's like, as you upgrade, you think, do I want health or do I want more stamina so I can climb more mm-hmm. things, explore more? Like, that's a way of rewarding. And like I said, Metroidvania-ing, like, like, allowing access to the world based on your progression and, and cause the world's dynamic enough. Um, rewarding your, like, making you want to not just be like, well, why don't I just be a tank so I can beat the game? Well, beating the game is yeah. not the point, right? The exploration is the point, and highlighting that is key. Um, oh, I was gonna say nothing about Breath of the Wild, now I can't forget. Oh, and the other thing is the blood move, um, right? Like, by having it, so Crackdown is kind of the same. This is really interesting. Crackdown and Breath of the Wild Crackdown are the same is game. Breath of the Wild. Um, no, but like, <laughs> so in Crackdown, you, like, there's permadeath. Crackdown 1, there was permadeath on some enemies, and you could reset. Right? Okay. I think so. It's been a long time. It was something about resetting it and, and then time. being able to replay, but like, and, and with Breath of the Wild, like, mobs stay down. Sorry, moblins stay day, moblins, stay yeah. down. Um, except, Every so often, and you're not sure quite when, I'm sure there's some website that'll tell you, um, cause someone's figured the algorithm out that suddenly everything responds, which gives you a sense of like conquering through the world, but also means that sometimes, nope, now you gotta redo things. But rather than having it on most games, it's like, you, you know, you, as soon as the buffer of the, cause you're just a window moving through an unrendered space. And you're just a big window in modern games. But most games now, as you move through the window, um, either it just respawns everything that's not in the window. So you're like, oh, I actually want to turn around and take this other path. Fuck, now these guys are back. Or they just stay yeah. dead forever. And the, the, the Blood Moon mechanic on Breath of the Wild was really smart. Where it's like, yeah, you killed them. You conquered yeah. that place. Cool. It's safe. Until the game explicitly tells you, nowhere na- is safe now. You don't have to worry about... <laughs> Has this part respawned or whatever? It's just like, no, we've put all the bad guys back. But also you're better yeah. at the game, so all the places, yeah, you have to kind of finagle things, but a lot of time you can outrun them, so you can cho- pick and choose based on your memory of how much you liked fighting that mm. bit. Like, it's just really mm-hmm. well designed that way. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, like, what I heard from Adam and you, Ben, your, your conversation with Ghost of Tsushima is that They've tried to take some like stylings of like Breath of the Wild, like oh we're gonna put this wind in here, so it's like it, it's very dynamic. We're trying to you know coax you to go to that area, but we're not just gonna give you an hour on the floor. We're gonna try and do it, you know. Yes, passively. You know, yeah, passively. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you are still going and checking off boxes in that yep. game by the yeah, yeah 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 absolutely so they <laughs> it's like it's like okay how do we how do we make it so that we're not having this complaint where players feel like they're too guided we'll do this but no it's st- it's still built around that same structure um, it is yeah absolutely. It, it's really it's it's a bummer because like infamous second son was the same thing by the sounds of it just less pretty <laughs> it's, it's still it's like it doesn't seem like they've it, they have improved I won't say that but it doesn't seem like you know yes ga- they game innovated design 101 yeah they haven't innovated mm. and it's like come on <laughs> in some ways absolutely in some ways they have in some ways they have mm. uh, they've innovated on kind of what they have produced previously and changed stuff up a little bit but 
it isn't a huge leap. And it yeah. isn't the leap that kind of you would expect from the start of and the end of a generation, perhaps. Mm. It's only a few quality of life and slightly more immersive touches that they've put in rather than a complete overhaul. You know, Ghost of Tsushima is not the pinnacle of open world games, uh, which you kind of would expect kind of towards the end of a generation which has produced so many open world games from a studio that produced and released one of the first to then have a look at all of these other ones and all these other things and to be able to learn and iterate on and change. Um, Yeah, it hasn't done enough to be a kind of a standout open world title at the end of a generation, at least where I would like it to be. I'm just wondering, like, who are all these people who like open world games and just want nothing but open world games and want devs to make I, nothing but I, open well, world they've games. all been fired from Ubisoft so uh, they'll be buying games soon <laughs> enough so I think um, I can answer that though in, in all seriousness um, yeah. I think it's people who like maybe can't buy every game and it's like look this game is going to be mm. 7 million hours so but do you, I get my uh, 80 bucks worth Quids. But do those people still Quid exist? Bucks. Yeah, I mean, especially now <laughs> like, with I don't know. I mean, especially now with know. like with people losing jobs and job precarity, I think we're going to have more people buying fewer games. I thought they just played FIFA. Or... No, the FIFA FIFA Bros are totally different. I mean, it's the same. Right? It's 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 but it's it's, it's people it's, who don't like it's sports a different games crowd, but it's the, the same, same crowd. Yeah. yeah, they're just like open world games. Well, yeah, yeah. And, and they just and want, they just they're like they like action they games. Want, they like action games. Yeah. They would play through all of the action games possible, but you know they, they just they'd don't say, know well, anybody personally who's like not don't not into games as much as us, but wants just all that filler. I mean, I mean, uh, know, we I we know. should just ask Alfred. He claims to be the triple A snot uh, yeah. fan. <laughs> Man, imagine playing every open world game that really. Well, I mean, you can't. I mean, you could Shoot. play them all, yeah, but I'd... you couldn't. Play them all. To... I'd put a bullet through my skull before I did. Oh, that. that's one of the games. Bullet through the skull. You've just never heard of it because there's like a lot of open world games. <laughs> it's the spiritual successor to uh, Sleeping Dogs, but it, you know, it's... God, I would love a Sleeping Dogs too. Yes. Mm. Oh yes, absolutely. Called like Yakuza. Yeah. Like all those twenty. Games. I mean, those games also have a, a rabid fan base, and part of it is just how yeah. much time you can spend in it, right? Because there's all these mini games and they're all different. Um, so yeah, there's definitely yeah. people who want to spend hundreds suppose, of hours like, of games, like, but don't pe- like people RPGs. Play GTA still? Yeah, yeah. I guess. Yeah. I guess you're right. Yeah, because people will just buy GTA because it's a yeah. big old. Oh, why buy it? It'll if you just wait enough years, it'll be given away for free on Epic Game Store. Again. Yeah. Apparently, it sold better after it um, went on went for free so well because everyone's like Go you oh it. i got this game for free you should play with me also i'm assuming yeah. they made fucking boatloads on give me two billion right. i didn't spend money on this game i want to catch up to people mm. on online so i'll just spend I'll all the install 20 quid monies. on mm. cash so i can buy some Shark cards whatever you can buy that probably like boats mm. that turn into planes jackets i don't know jackets. i don't know what gta online is yeah. like hats now. Um, also skins for your guns 
Sunglasses for your guns. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I I don't know what the fake mustaches for your Mm. guns. I don't know what the economy in GTA is like, but I mean, I don't want to. Like, how? I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. How are there? How is there anyone in this world that doesn't own GTA domicile? You can buy because they've done like they've done like (laughs) penthouses and houses and like on the edge Miami style or LA style, like huge. Expansive seven-bedroom mansions. Uh, yeah, rabbit hole is the new expansion. <laughs> you too can go GTA, down the rabbit hole of GTA Five. Nuclear 5. bunker. GTA Online is what I thought I wanted when I was eleven. Yeah. And oh no, I that is wrong. exactly what you wanted when oh, you so, were eleven. Oh, so no, but I didn't want. Yeah, so I mean, true. kind of, but like I, yeah. not when I was eleven, but like maybe when Lucy was eleven. Um, but like I was convinced <laughs> that the best MMO that could be made. Was the San Andreas gang mode? I've I've said this Absolutely. before on the oh, on the yes. podcast. Oh yes, right. And just you fight. You've got this ginormous city, and you just fight for your 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 like for greater gang territory with your mm-hmm. five friends, and it's semi persistent. And then when GTA Five came, GTA Online came out, and you're like, it's kind of just. A really big deathmatch map ish, but also you can make weird ramp things. That that's as far as much as I know. Like, there's there is like pick up a package and deliver it mode, and then there's like also custom maps, something. Yeah, I think Ben got it right straight off the bat. We're too old. For old yeah, games. <laughs> we're all too old. It's true. Yeah, like I've never Fortnited. I even had a. No, no I was given a OG <laughs> Fortnite, <laughs> like OG Fortnite, not PUBG mode. That mm, is all of Fortnite. Save, save, the, save world. the world. Yeah. yeah, is that still in the game? I don't know, but I was given a code because, um, uh, yeah, friend what? of Out of Lives, uh, <laughs> one of our friends of Out of Lives gave had got like the founders pack or whatever which came with free codes and gave me oh, one of them i remember and i was like cool yeah. and i booted it up once it was like <laughs> and i played the intro mission and i was like oh i can i get how building walls work and then i thought i would play with the pe- the two or three people who were around who had codes and then we never really got together and then i just for other reasons we leave off the podcast we didn't interact with that person anymore and then it was like cool blah and then it was like now it's a free game and also a totally different game and i was like Huh. <laughs> the rest was history, yeah. and it's like uh, that's just gone. like my only Fortnite, Fortnite experience is, is the tutorial yeah. mode to the OG game, which is basically not a thing. Yeah, I'm surprised. It's worse than right. my Halo experience. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've never, I've never even downloaded Fortnite. No, nope. yeah. I own PUBG. My only experience is seeing it in stores. Yeah. Yeah. I own PUBG, but see I've it, never see wanted it on to the play. PlayStation Store. Oh, yeah. See it on I, the Epic Store. That's you can it. get it on your phone now. I, and by that I mean like oh, a year yeah, ago can. now. That's what the kids do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I uh, camera it doesn't matter. Oh, yeah. Imagine playing Fortnite on your phone. Touch. Oh my god. Build. They must think. Build. Build. Kids oh, you know there's you know there's some like in, some uh, nerdy kids who are using a phone dev kit on the PC so they can mouse aim and win all the phone matches. Yeah, <laughs> kids must look at us and think. Um, remember Zoolander when they try and use a computer? Yeah. 
I mean, Lucy, you were saying you were playing a point and click. In the computer. Hey. You were saying you were playing a, uh, a point and click on your phone earlier, and I was like, with, with, um, I don't... with a controller. Yeah, I was like, no, that, like, but my fingers are big and the screen is small. This seems bad. Oh, yeah. No, yeah you can I, never I, pixel I, hunt whatsoever. Just I mean, you can, Smash ben. 12 it, pixels like at this. a time. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I think I just took it out of airplane. I have a clip that goes on my Xbox controller. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's basically so I can lie down down in bed and just stare at it. The dream. Apart from toilet gaming, which the Switch provides us, it Mm. needs to be quality bed gaming as well. Yeah. Plus, this was a 3D point-and-click game. Don't forget. I think if it was 2D, oh, that, I would yes. just still play it on PC. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good. Well, that rounds out our open-world chat in a very different vein. Uh, Adol, what did you want to chat about this week? Oh, what? I have to say a thing? Um, you don't have no, to. No, we can finish yeah, that. I mean, I uh, so I played more of a game I talked about last week. Uh, we'll really... Uh, Lucy... Sat in the mm. background and watched me play Banners of Ruin, and so we'll we'll release yes. that on YouTube, I suspect, as well as a VOD. Um, I might go through and censor my fucks and whatnot because that's probably better for YouTube. I don't know enough about that stuff, but maybe not. Um, but you did say fox. Hmm? You did say fox at least once. I did say fox and not fucks. You're right. Mm. Maybe I'll just tell YouTube. <laughs> Yeah. I thought the singular of foxes was fox was plural and fuck was the singular. I'm just English isn't my first language. <laughs> Canadian English is. Um, <laughs> no, uh, but I actually did spend. I mean, I won't go into too much detail because I kind of touched on this before. But I did uh, play a little bit of Magic: The Gathering Arena with the Jumpstart um, set. Oh, yeah. that, uh, I had said was coming out that I wanted to play with. Um, and so I actually think this is a great time for someone to learn magic, which again, I think is best learned online because a lot of the intricate rules are done for you. So you get a feel for like the basics of the game because the computer's making sure you're not screwing up while well, with cardboard. Uh, so I actually played, um, a friend of mine, Malenko, uh, his flatmates dug up all their old magic cards because of, um, COVID and got them all to build decks and play. And he was like, you know, you know how to play. Let's play. And so last Saturday, we went. I met him at a pub, and we played some games uh, on the cardboard. And then it turns out his um, flatmate didn't. So a turn is untap, upkeep, draw. Don't worry about it. You do some things. You you reset your board state. Some things might happen. You draw a new card. Then you can play cards. Then you choose to fight. Then you can play cards. Then the game turn ends. Basically. Um, except he didn't know you could play cards after fighting, which changes a lot of your strategy. So mm. he thought like combat end. And so I was like, no. And it, it didn't come out right away. I'm like, you must have like, cause all like good strategy is like, don't spend your mana. Don't bring out a creature before you combat unless it does something because then that might, that, that, Mana up could be like a combat spell. But if you spend all your mana and it's just like a big hulking beast that can't fight that turn, um, then they know you don't have any tricks up your sleeve because you're tapped out. So that's why there's a post-combat main phase. Um, but obviously, 
if you don't know that, you're like a lot of the strategery of when to do things is lost. So it was like, ah, oh, let me. So I did, did like a mini tutorial of like, oh no, this is ba- the basics of a magic turn, right? I'm a logician, a teacher, and an old school magic player. And then now we were in this bar, and I'm like, God, I am Dangerous the color. biggest nerd this bar has ever seen. <laughs> but he's he's also he's doing his PhD in philosophy, so like he he grabbed a notebook and was taking notes. He's like, Yeah, like, hold on, wait, let, like, explain, because I'm saying. So there's this interaction here, which is important. Like, there's this, 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 and he's like, Ah, okay. And we were just clearly being philosophers about the whole thing. Um, anyway, <laughs> so that was fun, and also uh, paper magic. Boy, it's fun. I forgot how much fun it was. It is different than online because it takes longer. You have to talk through, I'm doing this. This will happen. It's so social in a way that Arena even isn't. You're playing with a live person, but all the things happen automatically via via the code, right? So you, you attack with a thing, and then it does all the triggers, and then everyone sees the triggers, and you can react to them, which is really good for strategic play because... You get a choose, like you see all the things, they all appear. No one has to be like, ah, seven triggers, and you have to hold that in your own memory. But it's changed, it's not the same when you, it's just a different game. Anyway, so I played a couple rounds of Jumpstart, and again, um, what happens is it's like two 20 card decks with lands, with, and themes. So you spend your real currency or in-game earned currency for a round, and a round is, well, to get a, a deck, which is two packs, and it says here are three choices. Uh, so I picked uh, the blue one that said something about flying, but there was also a black one that said spooky, and a red one that had a theme. I can't remember. I think it was goblins. And then you pick another pack, and it was white. It actually gave me a double up. It was white, spooky, and something else, and it was like, White Flyers and Blue Flyers is a classic magic archetype. It's my first time playing Jumpstart. I'll just play Blue White Flyers. Um, but the whole point is you can kind of mix and match. And like all the hard mm. part of designing a deck is taken away because it just gives you these 40 cards that have lands. So it just shuffles them together and then you play. And you can take a look at them to get some notion of like what the, the decks are. But it's just really simple, fun. It reminds me of when I first started playing magic and just didn't understand like the depth of strategy. And I was just making decks that were just like kitchen table magic is what people call it. Which is like, I mean, I was born in 1983. Magic came out in 94. I think I started playing in 95 or 96. And we just like, you got cards and you like, these ones look fun because of the art or because I like, ah, I like red. So I'll play my red cards and they don't have good synergies. And I'm not trying to figure out the optimal turn four kill. I'm just playing these things. And like, with Malenko, uh, his housemates are like, we're not, no one's going to spend more than 12 quid a month. Uh, but also here's all this backlog of just generic cards this housemate had. So just make a deck. So like the power level was super low. I just bought a handful of packs online and then just like, cool. I'll make two or three decks out of these packs and my power level will be curbed by what cards do I have? And not a lot, right? Mm-hmm. So it was like, I guess, like, I don't really like, green red but my best cards were those so my best deck was a green red cool uh and the same thing is jumpstart you're just kind of handed cards and you can get a feel for just playing and like Mm. uh for anyone who's interested in starting magic i think that's a really good way to to start because you do earn new interesting cards and like i said uh it's not a lot of money 
or earned currency per trial, and you could play as many times as you want with that deck. But you get rewards for your first win and your second win, which, like, I played twice. I got a win and a loss. So you get a free rare card that is from the Jumpstart collection to be added permanently into your collection, along with the cards you, that like, the deck you picked. For one win, you pick a sec, you, you, you win a second time, you get another free rare, then you can choose to resign and then spend another 2000 in-game currency or whatever, uh, and pick another two things to mash together. And like, again, like start again. Yeah, and some basically. of it's like super yeah. standard things in magic, but like tribes, which are like goblins, elves, you know, devils, etc. But sometimes it's spooky and doctor. And it turns out doctor is like gain life mechanics. Makes sense in retrospect, but you, I like that you, unless you like look it up online, you're like, sure, spooky. I want spooky goblins. And then it turns out it's this, <laughs> it's like, it's not zombies and goblins, but it's definitely graveyard stuff and goblins. Ghosts and goblins. Yeah, exactly, right? Ooh. So it's nice. And also like the set's balanced enough that like it's very rare you're going to have like an OP pairing. So yeah. like you play a couple rounds, you'll win a couple times. Right, like, there's no well, way. Hopefully, yeah, yeah. Well, well, like, unless you really punt, but like your card, because like one of the problems with Magic is if someone just has better cards, even if you're a mag- like a great player and really strategic, if you just don't have cards that are of that power level, you will probably lose. Mm-hmm. It's like the perennial problem of Magic, which is why they have all kinds of like um, game types. And so jumpstarts are a really good way of just ameliorating all of that because it's like you're not picking you're picking vague themes and then you're all playing at kind of the same power level. And so even if you're really good, like even if everyone you play is better than you strategically because they know the game better, sometimes your draws will just make you win. So it feels very it, it's exactly why I loved Magic when I started and why every time I've gone back in, it's like that first rush of, this is just a fun game that sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, and you look at cool art and you do these weird things. And sometimes you can think of an interesting interaction and you're like, aha, but if I do this, it undoes your thing and I gotcha. Mm-hmm. And you can still do those things, but those gotchas aren't, and now you're fucked and you're gonna die. <laughs> so if you are interested in the game, I fully recommend coming on. I guess the worst part is you have to put... So the best part about Arena is it gives you a bunch of ha- handful of decks you can just play when you first sign up. But Jumpstart isn't part of that. So, uh, but if right. you just play a little bit every day, it gives you that the non-buyable currency. So it's like so it gives you a, a few decks of each color, like a, a deck with at least uh, each color, and then your in-game quests will be like cast f- twenty blue or white spells. So you just play your blue or white things and even if you lose it then gives you like 500 um gold so your daily quests give you quite a bit of gold so which means if you just sort of like play a few rounds a day for a couple days you can then do a full buy into jumpstart and like even if you and you're not Mm. stuck to only playing until two wins you play until you're bored with the deck Sure. And because, so, so you like the one problem with playing sort of on the open rank thing is people will have better collections, so you might not have fun. But again, you, it might be worth it. You like this deck, just play 17 games with that deck because the people you're playing are all going to have similar power level rather than playing with the stock decks against people who have added a few cards and are probably better. Um, but yeah, mm. uh, so 
that that's basically me rambling about magic in in person for the first time for me in a long time but also for most people is a rarity um yeah yeah so uh i think i'll probably end up streaming some arena in the future because i just like the game more than i realized nice good i don't think i've played something to fall back on it is so i've I've actually ordered some jump start packs they're on delay like in person because i think i would just keep them as those and that way, if someone's mm. interested or wants to play a game, it's like I can teach you teach you the basics, and then let's just pick two of these random things and play. And even after you open them, if you can always reseparate them, and then they're all going to always be on hand as well balanced. And then it can, and you can try different combinations, right? I think that'd be a really neat thing to have as kind of like a board night game version of Magic, where it's like I can teach you the basics. Like there are two phases, two yeah. two casting phases on either side of combat, and and then you know if you're interested, maybe you can play more. But also, you know, you got a friend over. Hey, let's try this card game. I I always remember playing kind of Magic years and years ago. The last time I played was like when Planeswalkers had kind of just come out. God, that that was uh, a, what's yeah. that? Must be like fifteen, even more yeah. than that, seventeen, eighteen years ago, something like that. Mm. Were they there in Jesus. Zendikar? What, do you uh, remember the no, block? No, no, no. Maybe it was a little. Maybe it wasn't quite that far. Yeah. Maybe it was about fifteen-ish years ago. It was about twenty twenty-one, something like that. Um, but yeah, just just being not overwhelmed by it, but just being like, this is this is definitely something else. So having a mm. a slightly streamlined version, um, which you can kind of uh, be given a couple of not pre-built, but a couple of sets which kind of work very well together um, would definitely appeal to me, at least, to kind of get back into it um, as something new to to kind of experience. I always remember having played a little bit of Magic around that time. Um, that's roughly when Blizzard put out... Hearthstone? They, they, put out, they didn't put out Hearthstone, but they put out a physical card version which was called something like Blizzard Heroes or I something like that. that. And it was like the precursor to Hearthstone where you had a, a hero uh, and you kind of built your deck around them. And actually that being a little bit more um, easy to get into and understand kind of the mechanics and things like that, which then later to turn into Hearthstone. Um, and it's, it's, it's kind of okay to have a digital version of this but actually i think if i wanted to play this again a physical version would definitely mm. be the way i'd want to go right with it i miss the smell of um like cards like freshly cracked yeah, yeah. oh it is smell. yeah i mean so so i mean <laughs> so i bought it's always the same as a new book yeah kind of right yeah. it's that, the smell of a new book that, like yeah clinical papery cardboardy <laughs> smell yeah so like mm. i bought like a precon and then oh, a handful of booster packs and one of those things that, like a deck builders toolkit just because i was like oh this is hilarious um i could buy i would have to buy land which i've never like it's you don't because you always have too many it was like i have zero cards in this country i have a few from a t- the last time I played Magic with friends in Canada uh, a million years ago, and then my old collection is maybe around in someone else, within Adam's collection that's being held by a friend, in case his son ever wants to pick him up. Um, but it it was just like 
oh, I guess I'll buy the deck builder's toolkit, which is like, here's a bunch of land and some trash commons and uncommons, which is great if you want to build a deck for the first time because there's a space for them. But it was like, and then I just bought like a few booster packs. Uh, but it's like, I'm paying for land. This is so stupid. These things are not worth anything. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So I got to crack packs and like that. God, the, it is so wonderfully human, but also very sad. But it's like, this feels good. I see why people <laughs> continually buy these just for the like, Yeah. it smells like that smell and that like, what that did smell. I get? And then this rare is actually good. This is great. What if I did this Mm. again and got another good rare? Or worse, this rare is not good. Oh, I should do this again and get a good rare. Oh, no, both of these lead me to want to get do it again. Uh, The the good cards always felt better. Shiny Pokemon. (laughs) Yeah. Shiny Pokemon cards. Mate. Yeah, whenever you got, whenever you used to get a club badge or a stadium <laughs> on your Premier League Merlin stickers, <laughs> that was fucking key. That's what you wanted every single pack. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, let's finish there for this week. Uh, Adol, you and I have had a couple yeah. of beers each. Uh, did you have a preference um, this week? It's kind of tough. Um, I think it's going to be the resonance. Uh, it was a, a little, it felt a little more polarizing for me. Um, but I think ultimately it was more interesting. And I, once I got used to that, I think the key is that um, once I got used to it that resonated. taste. Sorry? It resonated. I, yeah, not re- actually. I had to resonate with it, I think, was the weird thing, right? Like, I had to get used to it. I had to take it on its own terms because that gear shift was interesting, but also jarring. And so once I got acclimatized to that, it was like, okay, I, I, li- I like the four, I like the after. They shift much quicker than I'm used to, uh, but there's just more depth there. And also, once I got used to the aftertaste, which again is this really sort of strong cacao bitterness. Um, once I got used to that, it, it because the actual mouthfeel was kind of wet. It was like, oh, I can start sipping this. While um, because it starts so sort of coconut sweet and ends in that cacao bitterness for the first, like I would almost say a third to a half of the beer I was reaching before I really wanted to just, just to like push the bitterness down and I was like, Oh, this sweetness will do. And then once I finally got used to it, then the last half took a while for me to drink. And I think that's mm-hmm. the not so sweet spot. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Ben? Which uh, beer? Um, I. It's a hard one for me this week because both do um, similarish sort of things, uh, and maybe not quite as successfully as I think either of them perhaps wanted. Mm. Both both nice beers. Uh, neither of them exceptional. I don't think. Mm. Uh, the of juice from Three Hills. Um, put forward that it was going to be this big, juicy, tropical beer, but it really wasn't. It did build a little bit as I drank it more. There was some soft sort of stone fruits coming through. Um, it wasn't that big, fruity, tropical, juicy beer that they suggested it would be. Really malty and very, very nice for that. Uh, the the Pipeworks, which was a just, I mean, just gave itself as a double IPA, had a, a, a kind of a nice taste curve to it. It had a lot going on. Uh, it flowed very well. It gave me lots of different things. It kind of 
started off in that nice sweet kind of clementine a little bit of mango moving through into that pithy and then bitter sort of finish uh, really really easy and i think i would actually reach for the ninja versus unicorn um before i would then reach for the uh, which was it of juice number three right. from three hills uh be interesting to see what of juice numbers one and two were before they then got to to three and wanted to release this over the kind of like the the, the previous iterations of it uh but i think um neither beer has put me off in any way picking up more beers from these breweries uh but i think ninja versus unicorn from pipeline brewing company who are chicago based uh just picks it for me nice. this week um uh, oh they're gone fish I will say my stupid thing after you. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, I have seen in the bottle shop more beers um, from both breweries, uh, but I think I'm going to lean more towards Pipeline based on these two uh, when I make an order next time. Uh, all I was going to say was um, you picked the beer that sounds like a jump start set. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I can absolutely see that. Red Ninjas versus White Unicorn. Yeah. Uh yeah, my my stupid thing to end the podcast <laughs> is um, speaking of how popular Halo is, uh, <laughs> some NFL player <laughs> got a massive tattoo of Master Chief. Oh no! Uh, a Polygon story just recently. So yeah, <laughs> people love that Halo still. Does it does it look yeah. good? Yes, well, it's yeah. not like it's not like Master it Chief like, on his whole like, like back. <laughs> It you know, looks it's not like, like someone did it with head. like a ballpoint pen, but um, it's it's all right. Okay, okay. Share yeah, that I polygon article, Lucy. Let's yeah. all see it. Post <laughs> the link in uh, in in our chat. Nice, <laughs> excellent, perfect. Well, well join us on our Discord then, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. If you want to revel in this kind of ridiculousness that we find ourselves in every day and all the shit that we share between us <laughs> ridiculous articles memes and things like that i said memes that's all i just said the word oh, memes. memes yes, <laughs> oh, no, yes. Oh, no, it look, no 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 it looks really good actually sorry the um, tattoo yeah I- i'll look at it later good. I'm it looks it looks all right it looks it looks oh, all right. whoa yeah Wait, it does it look all right or does it look really good because boy did you change your tune it, it the the picture um that was it's fine. first it's on fine. like the Twitter video was like uh the stencil. Oh <laughs> the, like uh, not the, yeah, the, the, oh, the, okay, the first yeah, round yeah. of tattoo. <laughs> I gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it looks better. Yeah, fair enough. Good. Uh, well you can, George you can Kittle. You can come to our Discord and you can see that if with Lucy sharing a link. You can find the Discord link either if you're watching on YouTube within uh the text below our faces. Uh, or pinned on our Facebook page, I believe. Uh, it's probably on yeah. Twitter somewhere. Uh, go to Out of Lives Network on all of those things to see our faces, to uh, see all of the different things that we are currently putting out. Also go to Out of Lives Network on Twitch. Uh, you can see a video of Adel playing Banners of Ruin earlier with Lucy kind of in tow, just giving a commentary yeah. about the game. Um, mm. It's a nice uh, exchange 
between the two of you, I think. And I think these... I had a good time. Yeah, me too. These things that are, are working very well in terms of having a couple of us on stream and uh, just being able to pitch ideas and questions and explore the game uh, between um, between a couple of us. So you may be watching us on Twitch right now. Stick around for other videos at some point in this week. Uh, or check out the videos on demand on our Twitch as well. Uh, I am at Nova score, at Nova underscore, Nova score, Nova <laughs> underscore 47. Nova the flow score. just went suddenly. Nova I'll do like I did last week. Bye. No. Uh, Nova <laughs> underscore 47. Uh, Adel is at the Omniarch T H E O M N I A R C H. Unless you're on Twitch and want to see my streams that aren't all relate, well, aren't all based, and that's the underscore Omniarch. I'm also that on all the other things. I think I said that. Good, good. And Lucy, you are Juicy Loose Nine. Um, really, only on Twitter these days. Have, have a look at the games that I've been playing on there. Yeah, I'm going to write a little bit about them. Nice, nice. And you've been putting out lots of, well, lots of, you've been putting out some tweets about the games that you have completed. Yes, very intermittently. I think I'm around uh, in the 40s, and then I get uh, very disheartened, because I realise I finish games at a pace that I just can't keep up. (laughs) I play more (laughs) games and finish more games, and I can uh, write 140 characters about them, so there you go. That's well, however many characters it is now, I don't know. Yeah, 280, maybe? Too Who many. knows? Who knows these <laughs> days? Uh, go to outoflives.net as well to look at all of our previous podcasts and listen to our previous podcasts. If you have the time, it'd be really great if you went to your podcast service of choice and gave us a rating and a review. It could just be something like, these guys got no idea what beer is. Five stars. Yep, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I would do. Uh, yeah, like, subscribe, I'll ring the bell, it. all that garbage, but also leave a review <laughs> on the other garbage. We value. Or come and chat to us in some See, kind of way. Let us know what you're drinking. Let us know what you're playing. Forget the likes and subscribes. Just send me money. <laughs> um, in an envelope, unmarked, cash. I'll spray it down when it gets in. <laughs> All you need to do is send if it to Lucy. Leave a review, do that. Birmingham. Yeah. They know where to send <laughs> yes. it. It'll find. It'll find its way here. There's only one. <laughs> Brilliant. Good. Well, what a lovely place to end for this week. We have been tanked up. Bye bye. Bye. Ciao. www.outoflives.net. <laughs>